My name is Dion Garrett. I want to welcome you. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online also. I want to start off today's message with an acknowledgement that really shouldn't surprise any of you. Uh, And yet, I'll acknowledge it anyway. Um, I find that the Bible, personally, I find that the Bible can be really confusing at times. Anyone else? Um, Yeah, there's stuff in the Bible that I read and I just don't like it. And then there's stuff in the Bible that I read that I just don't understand. But here's what I'm learning. As as I encounter those things in the Bible that I either don't like or I don't understand, instead of just discounting those things or, you know, setting those things aside or ignoring those things, I'm learning to wrestle with those things. And, And here's what's powerful. When you wrestle with God, something great happens in your life. In fact, there was a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Jacob, and one night he literally found himself in a wrestling match with God. Whether it was an angel of God or whether it was a manifestation of God himself, we don't know, but he was wrestling with God, and he was, Jacob was demanding that God would bless him. And, and uh, so they were in this wrestling match, and it went all night, and finally in the morning, God had um, endured him long enough and touched his hip, and his hip went out of socket, and Jacob was immediately defeated. And, and so he, he walked away from that wrestling match defeated. He walked away limping. But he got what he asked for. He, he walked away blessed. And see, I think that's how it can be with us. Sometimes when we encounter those things in the Bible that we don't like or we don't understand, we may wrestle with them. We may get a little wounded along the way. But ultimately, I believe we will end up blessed. And so today I want to share with you something in the Bible that I wrestle with pretty hard personally. And I think a lot of us wrestle with it. It's something that I'm calling the steward concept. Now, this word steward is a word that that we don't use very often anymore in our normal speaking. But a steward is is a supervisor. A steward is a supervisor of of someone else's possessions, household, business dealings, property, whatever it is. That's what a steward is. A steward is a supervisor. If, uh, if, If you need help conceptualizing what this looks like, maybe a steward looks something like this. You know this guy? Shout it out if you know him. Who is it? Carson, right? Carson the butler from uh, Downton Abbey. Fewer Downton Abbey fans than I thought. You guys are not a PBS crowd, are you? <laughs> it's all right. Carson the butler. So uh, in the show Downton Abbey, this guy embodies what it is to be a steward. He works really hard. He takes his role very seriously. It's a position of high honor. You know, he wears the, the white tuxedo and, or uh, the, the black jacket with the white uh, bow tie and vest. I mean, an incredibly important position. Works so hard, but ultimately all of the hard work that he does are not, it's not for his own sake. None of the stuff that he is managing or supervising is his. It all belongs to someone else. And the Bible teaches that we are all stewards, that we are not owners, that we don't own anything, and yet everything that we have in our life has been entrusted to us by God himself, and we are called to supervise those things, which brings me to what I don't like about this teaching. See, I I don't like that idea that none of this is mine because it really, really feels like it's mine. I mean, I'm the one who works hard for it, to develop it. I'm, I'm the one who, who uh, manages it. I'm the one who disciplines myself, right? I, I'm doing all of this work. And if I stopped doing all of that, I'm sure all of, all of my money would go away. All of my gifts would atrophy, right? I mean, I, I'm working really hard for all this. So this idea that it's not mine, even though I'm working so hard for it, I don't, I don't like it. And yet the Bible says it is true. It says that everything in my life is actually a blessing from God, that he's behind it. And so I may work hard, but the success that my hard work brings is actually attributable to God, not to me, not to me alone. 
And if you ever want to test God in that, just ask him to step out of the situation and see how far you get. But see, I, I don't like that. I don't like to feel like I'm just managing someone else's stuff. I'm the guy who doesn't ever want to borrow anyone else's tools. I'd rather go buy my own, right? I just, I just don't like to live that way, so I don't like it. But here's what I don't understand about it. Remember, if there's some things you don't like, some things you don't understand. Here's what I don't understand. If I were to embrace this reality and I really thought of myself only as a steward of things that belong to God in my life, if I saw life itself as a, as a, as a, as a thing that God has entrusted to me and not my own, then what does that mean for me? You know, am I allowed to take my family on a vacation? <laughs> am I allowed to ever do nice things for myself or those who I care about? If it's all God's, what is my responsibility really to God's work and then my own well-being? Today we're going to dig into that tension because I'm just going to guess that some of us also struggle with this question. And uh, we're going to look at one of the most confusing teachings that Jesus ever gave. Now, if you follow Jesus much, if you read the Gospels, you will know that Jesus teaches a lot of confusing teachings. In fact, if Jesus was your teaching pastor, you wouldn't like it at all. I mean, he's fine for your savior and you would love him for that. But like as a teacher, Jesus deliberately tries to confuse people sometimes and he's got a reason for it. But crowds of people were constantly frustrated with Jesus because he wouldn't speak clearly to them. And so today we're going to look at a parable, a made up story that Jesus tells that has a point behind it that I find so frustrating and confusing. If you've ever read it, um, I think you, you will probably agree. And maybe after today you'll agree too. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 16. If you're here in the room, you can open up your Bible to 1048 in those pew Bibles. You can look on your phone as well. Crack a Bible at home too. It's a great discipline to get into. Or you can look along here at the screen. Luke chapter 16. Uh, So Jesus starts off speaking to his disciples, his close followers, and he's going to tell them a parable, a story that has a meaning. So Jesus told his disciples, he said, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possession. So I want you to look at this word manager, because in other translations, it used to be this other word that I already introduced to you, the word steward. See, I don't like the word manager because the word manager implies a, a boss or a supervisor rather than a servant. And a steward is actually a servant. Or a manager makes sort of imply like someone who's kind of a middleman who doesn't, doesn't have a very important job. They're just a manager. Uh, but, but steward is actually a position of high honor. So I want to change that word. I want to replace that word with the word steward. And as much as possible, I'm going to, when I see the word manager, I'm going to call it a steward. Now, if you think I'm just playing word games here, and if you're one of these people who thinks that words don't really matter, I want to challenge you on that. In fact, if any of you have been around long enough, to, to have flown back in the days when you had stewardesses and stewards who attended you on flights, right? Some of you have, have been through those days when you used to be stewardesses and stewards who would help serve you on an airplane. I want to ask you, any of you who have experienced that, do you really think you are any better off now that you have flight attendants <laughs> yelling at you and ramming beverage carts into your arm while you're sleeping and you're jerking your seat back forward, right? I mean, words mean something. Words define people's roles or responsibilities. Words have power to create not only meaning, but um, just, just they have a power to help us know how to behave. And so I'm going to stick with this word steward today. So we have a steward who has been accused of wasting his manager's, or I'm sorry, his master's possessions. And I want you to see what happens next. So the master called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give me an account of your management because you cannot be my steward any longer. So the master says, hey buddy, it's time for an audit. 
We're going to look into how you've been managing my affairs, my stuff. We're, we're going to perform an audit right here. Uh, and, and based on what I've heard, you're out the door. Which, by the way, is something that this foreshadows something that we are all going to face someday. See, the Bible teaches that someday we will stand before God, all of us, and he will perform an audit on the last day when Jesus comes again. And he's going to ask us two questions. The first question that God will ask us is, uh, if someone wants to put it this way, what have you done with my son? What did you do with my son? I gave my son as a free gift for you. Did you accept him? Did you receive him? Did you become mine through a relationship with, uh, with Jesus through baptism? It's the first question. But then the second question he'll ask and you know, that first question, that's a make or break question. I mean, that's, that's what gets you with God or apart from God for eternity. The second question, though, is, is very important. We don't talk about it much in the church. The second question is, what did you do with everything else? See, there will come a day when I, just like you, will stand before God, and he'll start asking me some questions about how I managed, how I stewarded all of the things that he entrusted to me. And just the thought of that makes me a little sweaty. I don't know about you. I mean, what will God say to me in that day? Will he say, hey, nice house. Did it need to be that nice? And all that money that you wasted on food, um, meanwhile, there were hungry people. When I said, what you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me, I really meant that. And, and why did you spend so much money on denim, Dion? This is kind of ridiculous, right? And, you know, don't get me started on how many hours you spent just staring at a phone screen. You're wasting your life, right? I mean, I wonder what questions God will have for me in that day. And again, the, he won't throw me into hell for that because the first question is what dictates that. But, but that second question Man, someday I'm going to face an audit about my own stewardship, and that makes me a little uncomfortable. And so this, uh, this steward, he's, the master warns him, he's, hey, we're about to do an audit. He knows he's on the way out because he has not been faithful. I want you to see what he does next in the last few hours of his employment. So the steward said to himself, what shall I do? What shall I do now? My master's taking away my job, and I'm not strong enough to dig or do manual labor, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I'm I'm not going to go there. I'm too proud to do that. Aha, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil. Now, I don't know what kind of deep frying you're doing to run up 900 gallons of olive oil, but that's, that's a lot. 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. Uh, he replied, um, he replied, he, the, the steward told him, take your bill and make it 800. So, so you see what he's doing? He's taking the last few hours of authority that he has. He's bringing in these debtors to his master. He's settling their accounts, but he's doing it in a way that's favorable to these people. He's, he's coming off as generous. Hey, man, I owe $900. That guy cut it down to 450. He's a good guy. And his reason? Well, we heard his reason, didn't we? His reason is that when he gets kicked out of the master's house, he'll land in someone else's house. He'll have friends on the outside, right? So he does this, and this, this doesn't seem exactly honest in keeping with the guy's character. And there's some argument about all that. But, but here's what really confuses me. I mean, this, this parable is kind of weird so far, right? You agree? Here's what confuses me. What confuses me most is the master's reaction to this. Take a look. The master commended the dishonest manager, the dishonored, dishonest steward, because he had acted shrewdly. Now, I didn't see that coming, did you? 
that the master would commend this guy for acting shrewdly, for, you know, having business savvy, for being entrepreneurial or, um, you know, ingenious or industrious. I mean, shrewdly is not always a positive word, but, but here this guy, he's writing down people's debts and the master walks in, this guy who's been dishonest, nothing but dishonest, this, guy, this master walks in and, and he hears about this and he commends him? Why on earth would the master commend this guy for doing that? Right, it makes zero sense to me. I remember a time last year, some of our staff were gathering for devotions and I was busy with some other stuff, but I heard this roar of, of stuff from the meeting where, or from the room where they meet, from the meeting room, and there was just kind of like all this discussion and people going, what, da, da, and they were talking about this parable. And all these people who've read the Bible a lot are just like, this is crazy, what are you supposed to make of this story? And I'm with them, I'm like, this is weird. And, and what makes it weirder is that Jesus here in the next verse, he just ends the story and then he starts teaching. He he launches into a little mini sermon here. Let's look at what he says. He says, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little will also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who's ever going to give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this, and they were sneering at Jesus. And Jesus said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. And it all makes sense now, right? See, what's more confusing is Jesus tells this parable, then he launches into a teaching where he gives us probably four different points that we could take and apply to our lives. I'm not sure how they all relate, though. Um, He says the people of the light need to act more shrewdly. So just because you belong to God, because you walk in the light, doesn't exempt you from being shrewd. You're supposed to take risks. You're supposed to be entrepreneurial. It's not okay to play it safe. He says, use worldly wealth to make friends. That uh, that there's something about using worldly or unrighteous wealth or dishonest wealth to invest in friendships. It's kind of weird. He says, if you're not trustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Right? If you can't manage this stuff, then who's ever going to give you something really valuable to manage? And then he says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And you can just imagine people's heads reeling. And if your head is reeling, I want to make it real even more because I actually have a fifth possibility for what this might all mean. Now, I've looked in commentaries and no one, I'll, I'll just be honest, no one agrees with me in this interpretation. So I may be going way, way out on a limb and I'm probably way, way off in all of this. But as I have wrestled with the scriptures, right? As I've wrestled with the things that I don't like or don't understand, as I've wrestled with God in this, I've come to something, and it's just a theory, but I'm going I'm to offer it to you, and you can kick it around, and you can do with it whatever you like. But see, as I've studied this parable, I, I begin to wonder, I begin to wonder, hey, maybe the reason the master commended the dishonest steward is because finally, in the last few hours of his employment, the dishonest steward finally discovered that there is a win-win to managing the master's possessions. Right? Back to the beginning, when I asked you that question, 
that question really that I ask of myself. If I am a steward and none of this is mine, can I use any of this for me? Or does it have to be 100% selfless of me divesting myself? Am I just God's money launderer, right? I can't hold any of it. I'm just kind of turning it around into the world. And maybe Jesus is saying in this parable is, hey, you know what? No, that's not true. There is a win-win in managing the master's possessions. You may be his steward, but there is a way that you can manage his possessions in a way that will please him and will also be to your benefit. There is a win-win. See, I think it's possible that the reason the manager, or I'm sorry, the master commended the manager, the master commended the steward, is because the steward finally discovered the win-win. Let's go back a little bit and just kind of talk about what the steward did. Um, First, we saw that the steward was doing the master's work, but he was also winning friends for himself. Now, in the beginning of the parable, the steward wasn't even doing the first part, right? He wasn't even doing the master's work, which is a cataclysmic failure of his job. His job is to do the master's work, to manage the master's agenda with the master's possessions, and he wasn't doing that at the beginning of the story. And I got to say something hard to those of us in the room, so, so get ready, okay? Um, this may feel like a, like a gut punch, so go ahead, take a breath, tighten your abs, and get ready for it, because I don't want it to be a sucker punch, even if it hurts a little bit. But here's what I have to say. If you follow Jesus Christ, and I know all of you in this room do not, that's not where you are yet, but if you're sitting in this room today and you follow Jesus Christ, and yet when it comes to the things that God has entrusted to you, to your possessions, to your life, to your time, if you aren't using those things to make a a significant contribution toward the master's purposes, if you're just doing token stuff, you know, like throw a buck in the offering plate and, you know, serve once a year. If that's you, then, then let me just put it, let me put it clearly and just get ready for it. Tighten the abs, get ready, okay? Here it comes. I don't want to be standing next to you when Jesus comes back and orders his audit of all of his stewards. Not because he's going to throw you in hell or there'll be lightning strikes, but because I think it's going to get a little uncomfortable. And I don't want to be privy to that conversation. See, if, if you right now sitting here today are really not doing anything in your life of, of significance, of substance, with the things that God has entrusted to you, if you're not using them for the master's agenda, then, then the parable's really clear who you are. You are a dishonest steward. You are an unfaithful steward. And I know that hurts a little, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just speaking the truth today. That's, that's what Jesus will say to you one day. That's what the parable teaches us. See, but, but instead, what I'm going to challenge you to do today is I'm going to challenge you to find a way to do what this steward did. I'm going to f- challenge you to find a way to, to, to find the win-win. And the first way that the steward finds a win-win is he starts doing the master's work, right? So all these people owe the master money and no one's chasing after it. And he goes and he starts recalling some of the debts. Well, good. Now he's finally doing some of the master's work. But, but notice how he does it. He does it in a way that he's also winning friends for himself, Now, I just got to say this, that that God doesn't mind when you use the stuff that he's entrusted to you to invest in people. This is not the same as buying friends, by the way, but investing in people, being generous with people. God loves that. That's what he's all about. And so when you use his possessions, the life that he gave you, and you do it for the good of people, you do it to invest in people, to win friends, God is pleased. And guess what? You'll be pleased too. Because correct me if I'm wrong, aren't relationships the most satisfying thing that we can have in life. 
You can have everything this world has to offer you, but offer you, but if you don't have people, you don't have anything, right? Not only that, relationships go on forever. Jesus says this weird line in the parable. He says, use worldly wealth to gain friends so that when the worldly wealth is gone, they will welcome you into eternal dwellings. And he's kind of saying, hey, you know, if you invest in people, if you invest in relationships, even after that money's gone, when you go to eternity, you get to be with people who love you. You have friends there. Those relationships continue beyond death. See, there is a way, there is a way for those of us who want to become more wise in our stewardship, there is a way for us to do the master's work, but also do so in a way that benefits us where we get to win friends for ourselves. Secondly, we see that the steward is doing the master's work and it's not to anyone else's expense. So again, for a long time, he wasn't even doing the master's work. It was to the master's expense, but he figures this out. Now, now for us, so often we profit and this is the way that, that business works. We only know how to do it this way sometimes. We only know how to profit at someone else's loss. And we only know how to, how to gain when someone else is suffering. And that's not God-pleasing. That's not wise stewardship. God is not pleased with that. In fact, in the Old Testament, do you know that it was illegal? It was, it was criminal, criminal for Israelites to loan money to other Israelites and charge interest. They were only allowed to give interest-free loans to each other. Why? Because it's God's money, not theirs. And God says, it's not okay for you to, to, you to hurt someone else and then profit with my resources. Now, Israelites could lend money to non-Israelites, but even there, they couldn't charge ridiculous amounts of interest. But see, if, if you can find a way to use the master's resources in a way that bless the master, bless yourself, but don't hurt anyone else, then again, again, there's an opportunity there for you to have a win-win. Thirdly, we find that the steward's doing the master's work and he's securing his own future. Now, in our culture, there's a fine line that I think we cross often between careful financial planning and the sin of hoarding, right? And some of us, in the name of, of storing up for retirement, we end up becoming hoarders. And, if, and if, that's, if, that's, if that's where you are, you know, you're just like, yeah, you know, I, I can't afford to be generous now. I can't give my life now, but someday I will. And I just got a stockpile for the future. Jesus tells another parable in Luke chapter 12 that you need to read about a guy who stores up stuff in big barns and says, I'm going to retire. I'm going to live life easily and, and have fun. And, and, and in that parable, God demands that man's life that very night because he wasn't rich toward God. See, I, I think we often cross this line of securing our own future financially, um, securing the ease of our future life at the expense of the master's agenda. The master is not okay when we invest everything that he's given to us in, in things that will rust, rot, be stolen, decay, stuff that's just for us. He's not okay with that. But, but the scriptures talk about a way that we can manage the master's stuff, the stuff that he's entrusted to us, in a way that does secure our own future, not just in this life, but far beyond. Matthew 6 talks about that, and I can't go there today, but if I were you, I would study Matthew 6. Because Jesus begins to describe ways that you can lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven that last forever. And again, the master is pleased when we do that, when we find a way to do his work. And in fact, when we do his work, it's kind of our way of securing our own future, not just in this life, but also eternally. Now, I have a hunch right now. I have a hunch that some of you are feeling regretful that you came to church today. Now, some of you are feeling a little heavy and you're feeling beat up on. 
And, uh, and I'm sorry that you feel that way. That's not really my intention. Uh, maybe some of you are feeling angry with me or, or you're just feeling like annoyed with this whole thing. But let me explain to you what's actually going on inside of you if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling negatively right now. Let me explain to what's going on. It's, it's actually not my fault. It's not about me. It's about you. And, and here's the truth in life. There is no joy in being an unfaithful steward. You can't have a good life while being an unfaithful steward. You can't. There's no joy to it. There's no true joy. There's no, there's no peace. There's no rest in that. And so if today you're feeling this tension, it's not my fault. It, it is the nudging of the Holy Spirit, right? We're celebrating Pentecost today. It's the nudging of the Holy Spirit trying to get you to live your life differently, to find a way to live a life that is truly good. Because while there's no joy in being an unfaithful steward, there's incredible joy that comes with learning to manage what God has entrusted to us faithfully. In fact, that's the good life. And where we get all confused is, is we play these games with God and, and we try to say, okay, God, well, let me see how much I can, I can give back to you so that, that it doesn't get in the way of me living a good life. And it's the wrong question. It's the wrong mindset. See, the more we play games with God, the more our joy will be de- decreased. There is no joy in being an unfaithful steward. But when we, when we step towards stewardship, when we, when we step forward on this journey, when we keep taking next steps, then we'll discover the good life. So today I want to challenge you to take a next step. See, this journey of being a steward, it is, it, is, it is a journey. And all I want you to do is to take a next step. And, and to take a next step, it starts first by identifying where you are in this journey. Uh, so today I want to share with you a couple of different profiles of, of where you might be as a steward. And I think all of us in this room more or less fall into one of these four categories. Um, and you're not going to have to identify to anyone else which category you fall into. You're only going to have to identify this to yourself, okay? Uh, but I want you to identify which of these categories speaks to me. Uh, the first, I am an impulsive steward. See, an impulsive steward is someone who does the work of the master sometimes. When, when it really hits you or when you feel moved to do it, when, when the mood is right. Right? That's what an impulsive steward does. And so it's not that you never do the work of God. I believe that all of you do the work of God at different points. I believe that all of you are generous at different points in your life. But there's no plan. There's no regularity. It's totally impulsive. It's, it's when things are right and you feel right and the mood hits you right and the need is right, you, you then step in and you manage the master's possessions in a, in a healthy way. Now, some of you just need to own that's where you are today. Bad or good, just, just accept it. Just acknowledge it. Say, this is where I am. That describes me. I can be incredibly generous in moments, but it's just kind of moment by moment depending on what's going on in life. Or maybe today you are an intentional steward. Now, an intentional steward is different than an impulsive steward because they actually have some sort of a plan. There's actually a plan to be generous, to, to give financially, to serve, to use their life and resources in a way that benefits the master. But if we're honest, an intentional steward still has a way to go because an intentional steward is still probably living like, like, like more, you know, the scales, if you weight them out, they're way more in favor of I'm living my own agenda than I'm living out the master's agenda. But there's intentionality there, which is a good thing. So, you know, some of you, you come here every week and, and you, you put $10 in the plate or, uh, you know, you're going to serve every month for like a half an hour. And, and that's good. And, and you feel generous in that. And, and you're right, that is. But the reality is that the rest of your life doesn't look like that at all. 
So you're intentional, but most of your life is still about your agenda, not God's agenda for you. Uh, so that may be you. Again, just, just acknowledge that to yourself. Uh, some of you today may say, I'm a courageous steward. And, and I, I, think, I think a defining feature of the courageous steward are these are people, these are people who tithe 10%. So a tithe is a, thing, a guideline that God gives us in the Bible. And he says, give 10%. You know, right away, when you get your income, give 10% to my work. Uh, I think those who tithe, it's a good sign that you are probably a courageous steward because courageous stewards, they do things that seem kind of crazy. They give away 10% of their money and, and man, that's kind of courageous. That's kind of bold. Uh, they're disciplined. They're intentional. They're beginning to discover that it's a lot of fun to do the master's work. They're beginning to discover the, the power of the win-win, that there's a way to do the master's work, but it's not at your expense. It's actually to your blessing. Courageous stewards are beginning to discover that. Maybe that's you. But you notice there's, there's one more here. Uh, maybe there are a few of you, and, and man, I think this is rare, but it's something I know I aspire to in my life someday. Uh, that I am, maybe you're sitting there today and you say, I am a fearless steward. And let me tell you about fearless stewards. Fearless stewards can't get enough of doing the master's work. They are obsessed with seeing the master's agenda be pursued on this earth. They're relentless in it. Because they've mastered the art of the win-win and they understand that the more they do God's work, the more they'll be blessed, the greater their joy will be, the greater their life will be. They, they totally get this. And so they go way beyond 10% in giving. They go way beyond, you know, what's a normal obligation for volunteering at church or for, you know, out in the community. They go way beyond that. Their life is about generosity. Their life is about doing the master's work because they know that the more the master's agenda wins, they know that they win. They've discovered the power of the win-win. Again, I, I'm not there. But maybe today you can take a next step toward that. See, that's what today is about. It's, it's looking at this list again and just saying, where am I? And just be honest. It's just you and God here. He already knows. But before he calls you in and gives you an audit, why don't you just fess up? And just say, God, this is where I am today. And then take a next step. What would it look like to take a next step towards something else on the list? to become a more surrendered and more faithful steward because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. As you become more faithful as a steward, you discover the power of the win-win and you begin to discover a life that is truly filled with joy, that is truly significant, a life that is truly good. Now I'll tell you something. I, I believe in this and I want this for you so badly. I want you to take a next step. No guilt, no shame about where you've been. I just want you to take a next step. That here's what we're gonna do. Um, I wanna invite the volunteers forward right now. And they're going to pass baskets. Now, I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, a second offering. Of course, this is what they do on a money talk weekend. You couldn't be more wrong. Um, in these baskets, there are envelopes. In paperclip to the envelope, there is a $5 bill for each of you. I want each of you to take one. Okay? Um, now, this money is God's money. So I want each of you to take one. Some of you are looking like, no, yes. I want each of you to take one. Um, this is God's money. This is money that's been given to this church. It's been consecrated to God. So it is now God's money. Okay? No arguing this. People gave this money. They entrusted it to God's work. This is God's money. And I believe, I feel strongly that God is prompting us today to give this back to you. This is not a rebate. Okay? This is not a rebate. This is a trust. So that $5 bill you're holding in your hand right now, that's sacred. Now this is the heaviest $5 bill you've ever held in your hand, isn't it? suddenly way more weighty than any other $5 bill you've ever seen in your life. Because this is God's money. And here's what we want to do. We want to challenge you to take a $5 good life steward challenge. 
And so this week, this is what we want you to do. First thing, we want you to be in prayer about this. Sit down sometime during this week and just say, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this thing, but help me, help me figure this out. Spend some time thinking and praying about what you might do with this. Now, as, as you do that, some of you will start to come up with a plan. Some of you are really entrepreneurial. And for you, you, you can already, like one of my kids was talking about this last night. She came to the service last night and she's like, I know what I can do. I can buy ingredients for cookies. I can go around the neighborhood and sell people cookies and I can make more money and then I can give that back to God's work. And I'm like, hey girl, if you've got the motivation, go for it. Maybe that's some of you. You're like, I can double this. I can triple this. I can bring it back to God. That's how I will take a step toward being faithful as a steward. Some of you, you're not entrepreneurial like that. For you, you're a relationship person. And so uh, this week, you're going to see someone in need. And that $5, God's going to prompt you again because his spirit is active. And his spirit's going to prompt you and say, that's the one. Do something for that person. And you're going to take those resources that the master has entrusted to you. And you're going to do that. You're going to do something for that person who's in need. Or maybe some other cause that you see throughout the week. Uh, But you are going to have to manage this $5 that is God's money in a way that will make the master smile, okay? But there's another part to this because stewards ultimately have to be accountable. And so to talk about accountability, after you do whatever you do, and it's, it's up to you and God, you're his steward. He's entrusted this to you. I believe that. I'm not gonna tell you how to do this. You've gotta figure this out. Uh, but after you do whatever you do, You've got to be accountable for this. So we want you to go to our website, stjstl.net slash GL challenge, good life challenge, GL challenge. By the way, that that URL is on your um, label, on your envelope. Um, And we want you to share the story. Now, if you're watching online, you are super bummed you missed church today, aren't you? Um, (laughs) But here's what I'll say. Just go out under your front doormat, under your welcome mat. There's a $5 bill for you. You can thank me later. Okay. No, really, we wish we could involve you in this. This is really powerful. Um, So that, that website is on the envelope for you. Um, and that envelope is not necessarily for you to give it back. This envelope is just to remind you that you, you have a responsibility here. This is not just a $5 bill to put in your pocket and forget about later. This is God's money. You've got a responsibility to use it in a way that you think will honor the master's agenda for this world. And you also have a responsibility to report on it, okay? Now, here's why we're doing this. Because I know this sounds heavy. <laughs> um, I heard someone say in the last service, I heard someone tell me that someone said in the last service, This is stressing me out. (laughs) And you know, it can be kind of heavy, but here's what I want you to discover. I want you to discover the incredible joy that comes through being entrusted, right? I mean, when you're trusted with something, there's always a responsibility, there's always a heaviness, but there's also a joy that comes with that. And I want you to discover not just the weight that you might be feeling right now, but I want you to discover the joy this week of actually managing this stuff in a way that will honor God. I want you to discover the win-win because I believe you can. And then secondly, here's what I want you to discover. I want you to think that as you try to figure out what to do with this $5, I want you to remember and begin to think that, hey, you know what? Everything in your life is actually God's. And so the weight of this $5 bill in your hand, man, that's, that's the weight of everything that God has given you. Every possession, every relationship, all of your time, the very breath in your lungs And it's meant to be used for a greater purpose. And when you discover that, when you take a step toward becoming more faithful as a steward, you'll discover true joy. Let me just say this as we we close. My favorite part of the parable, I think. It's the most confusing, but I think now it's my most favorite. Is that in the last few hours of his job, the steward takes a step toward becoming more faithful. 
And even though he's been a scoundrel, he's been dishonest, the master commends him. See, that's great hope for me, for a guy who doesn't always manage it well. That's great hope for me that if I can just take a step, God will be cheering me on. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd help us take the right next step with this. Speak to us. Help us discover the joy that comes, not just the responsibility, but the joy that comes from being called upon to steward your stuff. Father, uh, lead each one of us individually to do something that will make you smile, that will pursue your agenda for this world. Father, give us the discipline to report, to be accountable, not just to do things on our own, but to report back on what it is that we're doing. Um, But Father, ultimately, give us a perspective, widen our perspective to be able to see that, um, that you are good and that life with you is good and being more faithful as a steward only adds to our goodness. It doesn't take away from it. I pray this in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Will you stand? God wants to entrust you with one more thing today before you leave. And that is, he wants to entrust you with himself. So in a moment, we're going to come forward and receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Where God comes to people who are unworthy. And uh, he says, I want to dwell with you. I want to abide with you. I, I entrust my very self to you. Talk about sacred. And before we come forward and receive that gift, I want to invite you to confess with me that, that we are not the best managers and to ask God's help. Say these words with me. Lord, use me in my possessions to make a difference in things that matter. Forgive the countless times I have squandered the opportunity to steward well. Forgive the countless times I have stood idle when I could have easily done more. Forgive the countless times I have refused to share my blessings. Help me accept greater responsibility for what you have entrusted to me so that I may both be blessed and be a blessing. Amen. I invite you to take a moment, keep talking to God, confess your sins, all of them that you can think of that trouble you before your Father in heaven.